Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Shmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Sadie Gold Shapiro. Sadie is a 2016-2017 Yiddish Book Center fellow and an alumna of the Yiddish Book Center's Steiner Summer Yiddish Program. While a student at Smith College, she worked as an archivist here, assisting at the Yiddish Book Center. She's a 2016 graduate of Smith College, where she majored in history and Jewish studies. In addition to Yiddish, she studied Latin, Czech, and Spanish. Sadie has worked as an archivist and an oral historian and at the Jewish Museum of Prague on a collaborative project with the European Holocaust Research Infrastructure. During her fellowship year at the Yiddish Book Center, she's worked on the digital collections here at the center and has assisted with the center's translation initiative. Welcome, Sadie. Thanks so much. Wow. Um, I can't believe your fellowship's coming to an end <laughs> in just a few weeks. We've had you here for a long time. Yeah, it'll be almost two years with my time at Smith. So It's it's hard to imagine not having you here. You're a, an amazing presence. Um, <laughs> uh, but I suspect you'll be back. I think so. Okay, think don't, so. don't go too far. But go off and do great things. <laughs> so I mentioned in the introduction that you've been a real presence at the center for many years. You've worked with uh, Eitan Kensky, who's our director of digital initiatives, um, on the archi- as a sort of archival assistant, I guess that would be safe to yeah, say. Yep, that's yep. what I do. You were also a student at our Steiner Summer Yiddish program and over the past year as a fellow. And again, I think it's safe to say that uh, the lion's share of your work has been uh, archiving the center's collections. And... Um, you know, at times I'm sure that this has been tedious work, cataloging <laughs> all your your finds, and I wondered, what does it all entail? That's a great question. I sometimes wonder <laughs> myself. Um, one of my main projects here has been streamlining our collections to make them more searchable online. So really what that looked like is learning how to enter in data in a usable format, kind of learning to speak computer speak and anticipating programs, which sounds very dull, but uh, in the process, I've actually learned a lot. It's a lot of reading, a lot of side information, and a lot of sort of circuitous thinking. I, I've really enjoyed the project. So maybe for those who are listening who aren't as familiar as you are, certainly, and my you know understanding of our website as well, what do our collections entail in terms of the website? Wow. So we have a number of different collections on the website. Our most popular, of course, being the books. Thanks to the Steven Spielberg project, we've scanned to date, I believe, 11,600 complete volumes, which you can download. Uh, But in addition to that, we have a number of smaller projects. So we have a lot of audio recordings. Uh, Those include the Francis Brandt collection and the Sammy Rohr collection, which is our audiobook series. And in addition, we have a number of other collections, of course, the oral history, the Yisker books. So the website is full of stuff. The only problem being, if you don't know what you're looking for, it's often hard to know where to begin to search. And that's where my job comes in. And I thank you for doing this job (laughs) and for our new website, which has great search, because as a user... Your work is paying off. I'm finding all sorts of little treasures that I never knew existed. Oh, good. So that's great. And um, what have you learned through all of this? This is my 30-second answer. Hmm, let me think. I mean, this is my first job outside of college. So just in terms of learning what uh, an office looks like and what a 9-to-5 job looks like, what sort of expectations there are, how to work with coworkers, what to say or not to say in a meeting, how to be a better staff member and work collaboratively on a team, you know, on the most 
basic level. Uh, Yiddish specific, my Yiddish has definitely gotten a lot better. We have every Thursday a fellow's kreis, that's a circle, where we get to read together and schmooze all of Yiddish, which is very exciting. So my Yiddish skills have improved and uh, I've learned more about digital data collection than I ever could have imagined in my life. So, And you've also been working on our translation initiative. You've worked with the translation fellows who come here four times a year. Three. Three, three. times a year, sorry, um, for weekends with mentors, um, and then they work uh, virtually um, throughout the year. And you've worked on the translation, our digital translation anthology. Um, so you've had a great opportunity to read a range of newly translated <laughs> work. I wonder what you gleaned from all that. Ooh, well, what I've definitely gleaned is that you should watch the new translations coming out this year because there's going to be some really good ones. Uh, but I've learned a lot about the process of writing more broadly. You know, I've always been interested in writing. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a writer and, and later on a teacher. So I've always been interested in how people write, how people think. And it's been a great opportunity for me to take a step back and learn to work with people. So in my role, I've really been doing a lot of editing work and some more deep cuts, learning how to reformulate sentences, how Yiddish falls into these sentence traps that we don't really have in English, how to make the language really, really sing in these translations. And I think I've learned a lot about the craft of writing. So it's been really enjoyable. And literary translation has the good parts and the challenging parts. I mean, certainly with Yiddish as well, there's so much syntax and little variations that can make quite a big difference. Has it been fun to sort of see all of this firsthand? Yeah, yeah. And of course, knowing a language and doing translation work are two totally different beasts. And uh, I think it's been really humbling for me in a lot of ways. You know, of course I speak Yiddish. And then sitting down with a text and you're just pulling out your hair, trying to make something make sense in English. And it's a great, great way to open up your brain to new thinking styles. So has it given you a deeper appreciation or understanding of Yiddish literature? And yeah, definitely. Uh, our special issue this year, our translation issue, was all translations by uh, writers who were women writing in Yiddish. And I was really gracious to be able to edit that volume because, honestly, even at Smith College, most of the people I read were men. And I think I read a lot more women than most people. Um, but in Yiddish, it is often rare to find uh, novella-length works or novel-length works written by women that's non-poetry. And in our issue, we really emphasized looking for this sort of translation, and we were amazed by the results. And I can't wait to read. A lot of people did chapters, maybe just a, a couple paragraphs or pieces from a novella. I can't wait to read the full things. So definitely. They're very powerful, moving. Um, it's it's quite wonderful. I don't read in the original. So it's a treat when you and Eitan <laughs> drop something on my desk and I get to read the translation. And these translations are, I will say, wonderful. Oh, absolutely. I recommend anyone to and it, check them out. It was interesting that you decided to focus um, the call for submissions on women's writing because we've heard from a lot of readers um, out there that there's just not, it hasn't been widely translated. No, and they definitely are less canonized than their male counterparts. So it is a matter of, you know, going to the Yiddish Book Center, going to your local library and really taking a peek in the stacks. But they're there. I mean, Yiddish literature is brimming with amazing writers who are women. And 
I just would love to see more of this appear in translation for our readership. You know, it's not that I don't like Shalom Aleichem, but there's only so many times you can translate Shalom Aleichem. So. Well, I think it's also, it speaks to not only the genres, but that there were writers who were writing in Yiddish, you know, into the 20th century. Well, of well course. Well into the 20th century, and, and, and they take on a lot of the contemporary forms, modernists, prose, etc. Yeah, I mean, the golden age of Yiddish literature, Yiddish print culture was really from about 1890 to 1970, which mm-hmm. is much later. So actually, the bulk of publication was happening in the 20th century. One of my favorite pieces that's in that collection is Devoida Fogel's work. She's an incredible modernist writer who has these sort of utopian, dystopian, futurist imaginings and musings on World War II. Um, Her works are written in the 30s as Europe is sort of building up into this grand chaos and nobody is quite sure where all the tension is going to take them. And I think she captures all of that so beautifully. It's interesting that you picked that because yesterday I was looking for something to post um, and found my way to her Uh work and thought, yeah, it's, it's just... It's surprising for me. It's not what one suspects. I think it's true for a lot of operating room. That poem is mm. just amazing. Um, and the librarian. So anyway, we could wax poetic <laughs> about all of this for Indeed. a while. Um, and also your other claim to fame among many is that you have read through, I believe it's safe to say, every Pock and Trigger, our English language magazine, which we started back in 1980? Yes, so there was some contention about this, but we'll say the beginning of the 80s. There was an early issue, and there was a secondary issue, and so. And that's a quite an impressive undertaking. That's a lot of pages, yeah. a lot to absorb. Can you share a little bit about what you discovered? Oof. Well, it's amazing because, um, you know, coming to the center, right, you talked a lot. I've, I've been here a while in many capacities. My first visit was actually with my Hebrew school class in fourth grade. So that would be around 2004. I just dated myself. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I've been back as a student. I've been back as an archivist now in these multiple roles. And I've never gotten such a good sense of what the history of the center was. You know, I think for me, uh, I said, oh, well, the Yiddish Book Center, it's always existed in Amherst, Massachusetts, right? It's always been this beautiful place. It's been like nice and easy, tons of books there, you know. What, what else could be going on? And uh, the story that's in the Pockentrager, sort of this meta story, what's being told between the lines of all these journeys and escapes and and the sort of drama and intrigue of it all, it's been an incredible read. And I wish that everyone had the opportunity to know. You know, Aaron Lansky's book, Outwitting History, it's great because it tells this whole story, but it's from his perspective. And I think in Pockentrager, you hear the story, but through this multiplicity of voices. And in addition, there are, are articles and features about all aspects Everything. of Yiddish and modern Jewish Everything. culture, um, from photography to theater to esoteric ideas about books. Any one article jump out at you? Oh, that's such a tough pick. Um, I maybe... It's worth mentioning a few, just the ones that come to mind now. Uh, We were really lucky to have an early translation of the Zelmanyaners. That's Moisha Kulbach's family saga in our pages. And that later came out. We helped get it published in a full book format, but we had one of the earlier translations. And for me, as a translator, it was amazing to see, even in our published venue, the changes he made 
in mm-hmm. Pock and Traeger to when we actually send the book to publication. And it's one of my favorite stories. So I loved seeing that. Um, there were some great early pieces about um, plague and contagion in Yiddish culture. And, um, of course, the sanatoriums, mm-hmm. how central the sanatoriums were to Yiddish culture. And Yiddish writing, which surprised me. Yeah, so the sanatorium is really uh, one of the major facets of Yiddish writing because so many people in cities and close quarters were getting tuberculosis. And, of course, the cure was to be sent out to this amazing sanatorium. Now, the sanatorium was not just a sick house where people were dying. It was this place that was full of life and creative energy. And some of our finest Yiddish works come from these poets, these writers that were living in the sanatoriums. And a lot of them had a political bend, too. So the Bund is really famous for running a sanatorium, right? And you could go there and recover, you know, your health and your fighting spirit, of course. So, And it was central to the cure. That's what I – when we covered this um, recently in Pockentrager, I was quite taken aback that, that that was part of the prescription, was that writing was a form of – I don't want to say rehabilitation, but it was a way for people to just process in some way. And it was, I guess, Levick who was one of the poets who was at the sanatorium in Colorado. So it's, yeah, it's a yeah. great window into a something <laughs> that you never imagined. Indeed. Um, I wonder what you'll take away from your fellowship. What do you think? Mm, goodness, that's a tough question. It's always hard to answer something before it's quite ended. So I have a month left, just under now. and We're not rushing you out. Ah, thank you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, I've been thinking about that a lot. You know, I think not just Yiddish-wise, but I've learned, as I was saying, so many tools about becoming a better writer, a better thinker, more creative in the process, and, and in that, a better translator. And I hope to definitely continue doing translation in the future. On a more practical level, uh, I've gotten really good at using Microsoft Excel and the whole range of office suites. And um, I've also had the opportunity to blossom as an editor. And I've discovered I really love editing. And I've actually, I'll just be completing a certification program at the end of the month. So I'll begin copy editing some book length manuscripts pretty soon. That's fantastic. Exciting. So I feel like it's been a real launching pad for all these tools that I now have. Great. And, and so I've had a great time. Can, and you can now <laughs> sort of find your way somewhere. Somewhere, which is an exciting thing to be <laughs> oh, launching definitely. into the next the next chapter, as it were. Could you ever have imagined all that you'd uncover in your work here? No. <laughs> no, definitely not. I think every day I'm, uh, you know, I'll turn a page, I'll flip a book open, something will fall off the shelf literally into my hand. And I'll discover something I never dreamed of finding. You know, I loved talking about this this modernist writer, um, Devoida Fogel, because I never could have dreamed of finding her works before I started here. And, you know, we have so many primary resources, books that are rare. Maybe this will be the only copy of them I see in my life. Um, some of the woodcuts that I've seen, Yasso Cutlers in particular, there's so much beautiful material, and I uh, I talk with Alyssa, one of our other fellows, about this all the time, but we just wish everyone could see what we're seeing every day, you know, that we could write an article every day describing the 10 things we found that day, so. And we wish you could, too. <laughs> we love and, our fellow finds. And it's not just books, you know, yeah. there's all sorts of uh, funky things down here. We have all these different typography sets from the printing presses and from the linotype. We have all these different busts of Yiddish figures. And in fact, in the basement, 
I have good word we have about 20 Yiddish typewriters lying down there. It's been a very exciting discovery. Yes, it's one that's near and dear to my heart. (laughs) Um, I love the typewriters. Do you have a favorite find? Do I have a favorite find? Oh, that's tough. Um, I think it'd have to be what's on my desk. So in my first week here... I did some exploring and I made my way into every nook and cranny I possibly could. And at the end, I found our basement. I'd never been there before. And in the basement, we keep a number of paintings and you never know what you're going to find. It's a bit of a grab bag. And I found actually this beautiful canvas of one of my favorite Yiddish writers, Kaja Molodowski. And she now lives on my desk. It's about a two foot by three foot canvas of her and it's beautiful in these pastel colors and I feel so inspired having sort of one of my foremothers looking over me as I do this amazing cultural work so I feel very appreciative it's a lovely painting too (laughs) I think we feature you on Instagram with that painting Uh, yes Yes. I think so So our listeners can look for you on the Instagram feed yeah yeah um and before I let you go I guess one last question I know I had the opportunity to interview you for a video um, last summer, I think it was, about oh. yeah, about some of your work, and just um, you know your discovery and your love of Yiddish, how you sort of just came to it, and I wonder how you think you will carry forward with Yiddish. Hmm, it's a good question. Uh, so I definitely am looking to do translation work. I'd like to take another summer Yiddish program. I feel like right now. I'm at a good place. I can communicate very comfortably, and I've done translation work in the past, but I'd really like to just keep it going. So next summer, I'm hoping to do either another summer seminar or begin classes. Uh, definitely speaking Yiddish is really important, and it feels very comfortable. It feels very much like a part of my identities and how I express them. You know, I've always been really invested in language, and through Yiddish, I feel like there are sides of myself that I can't maybe articulate so well in English. And it would be terrifying for me to lose these ways, these modes of thinking about myself that I've been able to develop in, you know, we call it Yiddish land, right? In the Yiddish world. So I will definitely carry Yiddish with me. And I know that in my Steiner program, we have had the most uh, people return back to the center. A lot of us are still in touch and we speak Yiddish together sometimes. And hang out and I'd I'd like to teach some too. I know a lot of friends are interested in having a reading circle, learning some Yiddish and I know I feel like I'd be a good person to start getting that work done. I think everyone should study Yiddish but you know that's just my opinion. Well I think it's wonderful that you can find possibilities in something as surprising as Yiddish. Ah, I don't think it's surprising at all (laughs) but that's a story for another time. Um, and it's great to hear all of you speaking Yiddish. Mm, I used to always yeah, say that most people come and they say that um, their their grandparents spoke Yiddish so that they couldn't understand them. Now I say, you guys speak Yiddish so that I can't understand <laughs> what you're saying. Yes, the cycle continues. Exactly. Um, thank you, Sadie. Um, I hope you'll stay in touch. You'll of drop course. by often. And um, really, thank you. You've done amazing and really important work here, and it's been great to work along with you um, and collaborate on all of this. And uh, I promise to do my best to make good use of all the metadata, the spreadsheets, <laughs> and everything else you've created that makes us accessible. Well, enjoy. I leave it in good hands. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. 
to learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit our website, yiddishbookcenter.org. This episode is produced by me, Alexa Sewing. And until next time, be well and be healthy.